Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 romans chapter 4 that's where we will be today a quick glance around the world uh, kind of checking out what's happening in the landscape of the world community we can see that the world is broken the world is hurting and the world is suffering And I'm convinced that at the core of this, the reason for all of the suffering, all of the hurt, and all of the brokenness is the fact that we have lost sight of how God sees us. We don't have God's heart. We don't have God's vision. We don't have God's eyes. When we look at other people, we see our differences before we see the ways that we're common and common with one another. We see the differences in maybe the way we eat or our diets or the way we worship or all different kinds of ways. And we have these preconceived notions about one another. And because of it, Our world is literally falling apart. Where we should be able to come together as one, we're deteriorating and we're breaking and we're falling apart. All around you see just the ruins left of the fact that we've lost sight of God's vision for one another. Another man in the scripture, a man in the scripture that we see that had lost God's vision for his fellow man was the Apostle Paul. And before his conversion on the road to Damascus, this is a man who looked at all of the Gentiles as people who were less than the Jews. There was this us versus them mentality that he carried in his life. And he actually went across the countryside there throughout the Galilee region, throughout the Middle East, and he was imprisoning people for worshiping Jesus. Here's a man who looked at other people and said, if you're not going to worship like me, if you're not going to act like me, if you're not going to eat like me, if you're not going to dress like me, if you're not going to talk like me, then we can't have fellowship with one another. And because of it, He had this incredible encounter with God. God had a plan for Paul, even in the midst of his racism, even in the midst of his discrimination, even in the midst of the way he was looking negatively at everyone who wasn't like him. God had a plan for Paul and God met him. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus while he was on the way to persecute more believers. And this great glory falls upon Paul and he, he hears this voice and no one else can see what's going on, only Paul. And he falls on his face, he hears this voice Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? Now, after this encounter, Saul, who eventually becomes Paul, he's renamed Paul, was never the same again. You cannot have an encounter with God and leave that encounter being the same. Now, the reason why I bring this up, the reason why this is important is because this is the man who's writing the book of Romans right now. This is the man who's penning these words, literally telling us that we are all the same. The same guy who looked at other people differently, who saw differences and who persecuted people that were different than himself. This is the same man now 
who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, after he has this encounter with the living God, changes his complete vision, his complete mindset, and he becomes a champion of trying to convince the world that you are all the same. What does he mean by that? Well, let's look at Romans chapter three. This is what he says in Romans chapter three, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. That's important. We're gonna come back to that. The law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God of God. So last week what Pastor Walt went through was how we're all the same and that we're all in need of the same Savior. We all need to be cleansed by the same blood. We all have fallen short. None of us have hit the mark. None of us have hit the bullseye. We've all missed, swung and missed completely. We're all the same in the sense that we need a Savior to come and to rescue us. Now this week what Paul is going to uh, so eloquently unfold for us is the fact that just in the, is that we need the same Savior that we're all sinners condemned by the law, condemned by the prophets in the same sense this week. He's gonna show us that we can all be saved through the same way, through believing. Through taking whatever faith you can muster in your spirit and saying, I believe in God's plan of salvation. I believe in God's plan for my life. When we do that, we're gonna see, Paul's gonna say, you can be justified. That was a big word that Pastor Walter brought up last week, and that word's going to be important for this week. Why? Because what Paul is going to do is he's going to show us through the law and through the prophets that we are justified by faith. So if you're taking notes, I want you to take out a pen, a paper, whatever you have there, type it up on your phone. The first point we're gonna look at today is that justification comes by faith, and we see this in the law And the case study that he's going to give us here, the object lesson that we have for the fact that justification can be seen in the law is Abraham, right? Now, Jesus had said this in John chapter five. He said, you search the scriptures, speaking to the religious leaders, speaking to the Jews in that day who thought that they were holier than everyone else. You search the scriptures because in them, you think that you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me, yet you refuse to come to me so that you might find life. You think that you have life because you know the word, but the word has been pointing its finger that I was going to come, that I am going to arrive, Jesus says. And now that I'm here, you refuse to come to me. You refuse to believe and actually come to a place of eternal life. Your faith is in the scriptures. Your faith is not in the Jesus of the scriptures, is what Paul says. And I wonder if there's some of us who could have this same burden on our hearts today, that we have so much faith in what our knowledge is of the scripture, what we know theologically, what we've studied, that we forgot that the whole purpose for this word, the whole purpose for this book is to point to Jesus, the savior that can cleanse us and deliver us from our sin. So look at what we have here. Read with me Romans chapter four, beginning in verse one. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Now pause there for a second. Again, we're going to look at this case study of Abraham. Now, Paul begins this 
exhortation to us this morning. And he says there very clearly, what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Yes, I understand your physical descendants of Abraham. I understand that you have that claim as Jewish people, but Abraham is not only your father. He's your father according to the flesh. You descended from his lineage, but he's a father to more than just to that. He goes on, he says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Again, Pastor Walter looked at this word last week, justification. The word means to be justified in the sight of God, to be vindicated, to be declared not guilty before God, to be acquitted of all charges. And the fact of the matter is that every single one of us, you and I will both one day stand before a righteous and holy judge. And there will be charges that will be unfolded. There will be a scroll that will be unfolded and the charges will be read beginning at the top all the way down. And we will stand there helpless and hopeless if it were not for Christ. And the charges begin and it starts with, here's someone who struggled in life as a liar. I have nothing to say. I have to admit I lied. Here's someone who struggled in life with lust and I will just stand there dumbfounded. What argument can I give? And here's someone who struggled with addiction and I will just stand there and shudder at the words that are being spoken. And here's someone who struggled with anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and doubt. List goes on and on and on. And then from the back of the room, a door swings open. And the lamb, as though he had been slain, walks and stands next to my side. And as the judge reads all of the charges that are against me, that lamb shows his hands, shows his feet, shows the pierced, wounded side. And he says, remember, though he's guilty, yes, though these charges are true, remember, I suffered in his place. I was declared guilty so that he could be set free. That's what the word justification means. Some people say the word means just as if I'd never sinned. That when Jesus comes as my advocate, as he stands at my side, the charges are read. He says, I paid his price. I went to the cross in his place. I suffered the excruciating pain. I suffered the separation from the father upon the cross. He can be set free. He can be justified because I was condemned in his place. That. Verse is a beautiful verse that we find in 1 John chapter 2. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation of the payment for our sins, but not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. The advocate, the word means the one who comes alongside of. The same word is used for the Holy Spirit in the scripture. The paraclete, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside of and stands next to you and upholds you. This is what Jesus is for you and for me. He is the reason. He is the way in which we are justified. And now what Paul is saying is that if Abraham were justified by works, if that is what made him right before God, if that is what declared himself not guilty, if it was his own works that did that, then he would have some reason to boast, some reason to brag, some reason to be prideful. But obviously that is not the case, Paul is reasoning. Now, Paul himself, here's a man who in Philippians chapter three, he says, if anyone has reason to boast, it's me. I was born of the Hebrews. I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the right day. According to the law, I've been blameless. I'm a leader of the Pharisees. I persecuted the church. If anyone had a reason to brag about their spirituality or their religiosity, it was me. 
But then he says this, but all of these things I count as loss so that I might gain Christ. It is all rubbish. It's garbage. It's meaningless. When I think about the comparison to the glory of God, I will gladly give it all up. I've walked away from all of it because Jesus is more dear to me than any of it. Now, here's a man who says this in Galatians chapter six. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have nothing to brag about except in the cross of Jesus by which the world has been crucified to me. The world, it's dead to me and I'm dead to the world for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. But what counts is this, that you're a new creation. Your works don't count for anything. Your religion doesn't count for anything. The Bible verses that you've memorized don't count for anything. How much money you give in the offering doesn't count. What counts is that you've been made new. It's an amazing truth that we come to where we can surrender our tools and those chisels and those hammers that we've been banging our faith with, trying to earn God's favor when we realize in this moment that it's not about what I can do or what I can offer to God. It is about what Jesus has done when he came and he willingly offered himself in my place and I can just rest in that truth. Now here's what Paul is saying here. It says, if Abraham was truly justified by his works, he has a reason to brag or a reason to boast, but not before God. See, none of us, when we enter into the presence of God, will have any reason to boast. In that moment, when we see him for who he is, when we see him in all of his glory, grandeur, and holiness, we will have no choice, no option, but to fall on our faces and cry out, holy, holy, holy. Paul said, in the book of First Timothy, he says, I fought the good fight and I finished the race and I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which that judge will give to me in that day. This crown that I've earned for all that I've done in life, this crown that I have, and when I enter into the presence of God, when I come into the presence of God with whatever I've earned from what I've done here, whatever good I've done, the scripture says in Revelation chapter four that the 24 elders that are worshiping God, they're casting their crowns down to the feet of Jesus. I have nothing to boast about in the presence of God. Even those good things that I have, I will want to lay down at his feet and give surrender to him because that's how good and how holy he is. I have no right to boast in the presence of God. Paul goes on and Romans chapter four, look at verse three. He says, but what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He wasn't justified by his works. Abraham believed God and that is what counted righteousness to his account. So what does the scripture say? He's making a reference here back to the book of Genesis, to the story of Abraham. To understand the story of Abraham, Abraham first comes onto the scene in Genesis chapter 12. And God comes to Abram at that time and says, Abram, which means his exalted father, Abram, I'm gonna make you a great and mighty nation. I'm gonna make all of the, the nations around you come to you and, and if they bless you, I will bless them. If they curse you, I will curse them. I'm gonna raise up a people from you, Abram. You, this is what I want to do with you, but you have to leave your land. You have to leave what you know. You have to leave your wealth and your family and your riches and your prestige and your power and your places of influence. You have to leave your life behind and trust that what I'm going to do in your life is better than what you have right now. 
And the scripture says in Genesis chapter 12 that Abram picks up what family he can take with him, picks up some of his livestock, some of his goods, and he leaves his old life behind. What matters is that you're a new creation. He leaves his old life behind and he follows the voice, the command, the promise of God. Now in Genesis chapter 15, some 10 years later, God comes to Abram again and he says, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abram says, God, you haven't yet blessed me. I still have no heir. I still have no son. You said you were gonna make a great nation from me and now here I am, 85 years old. I have no son. I have no one to take my wealth. I've been dwelling in these tents for all of this time. I have nothing. God says once again to Abraham, you just need to trust me. Come here, come with me, Abram. Look up into the stars. Do you see all of the stars in the sky? Try to count them. Try to number them, if you will. That's how many descendants you will have because I'm going to do a work through you. You just need to trust me. And then the scripture says this. Abraham or Abram believed God and it was credited to his account for righteousness. He didn't do anything. All he did is say yes to God's plan. All he did was agree with God's promise. And that word believed in the original language in the Greek literally means to resound amen. It means to stand up from your seat, to hear the promise of God, to hear God's word, and to say amen. I receive that. That promise is for me. That promise is my own. I own it. God, that is truth for my life. That is what the word believe means. Abraham believed God. Amen, God. Those promises are are mine, I own that, that word is for me, and it was counted to him as righteousness. The word counted is an accounting term, literally to impute or to credit to someone's account. When I was a younger father, and my children would go to grandma and grandpa's house, they would often get maybe a shiny new quarter. And my little child, you know, very small toddlers would come back, look, I got a shiny new quarter, I wanna go and spend it right? But there's nothing you can buy at the store for a shiny quarter, is there? So you take your child into Walmart and they look around and you know what they find that they want to buy with their shiny new quarter? A new bicycle, (laughs) right? They don't understand that I don't have enough to purchase that bicycle. And so what is my position? What do I do as a father? I either say, well, you know, you don't have enough money to do that. Or I step in and I credit their account. I pay the difference. I pay the shortfall. In essence, my friends, this is what God has done for all of us, that through faith, he credits our account with what we were lacking. We didn't have enough to purchase the holiness that we need. We didn't have enough to purchase righteousness. We didn't have enough to stand in the presence of a holy God. And so where we were short, God comes in and says, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to deposit that into your account. I'm crediting your account with what righteousness you lack. What an amazing truth. Abraham believed God and it was credited to his account as righteousness. That word righteousness means to have a right relationship with. It means to have order restored. And the fact of the matter is is that you and I as sinners, we are separated from God. This is what it says in Colossians chapter one. And you who were once alienated and hostile in your mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death or through his death. He has reconciled you. You were once enemies. You were hostile towards God. You were alienated from God, but now he's reconciled you. He's brought you back together. He gave you a right relationship once more. So 
The scripture says Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Verse four, Romans chapter four. Now to the one who works for his wages, uh, they're not counted as a gift, but as due. Now, let's say for a moment that you really love your boss. You enjoy your boss and you decide in in your heart of hearts that I'm gonna invite my boss over to my birthday party. And your boss comes in and the boss is carrying this huge box. It's wrapped perfectly, has this nice big shiny bow, beautiful wrapping paper. And you look at this present and you think, wow, my boss really loved me as well. And you take that box when it's time comes for you to unwrap your gift and you unwrap that gift and you dig down through all of the styrofoam peanuts and finally at the bottom of the box, you pull out an envelope. And now you're thinking, oh wow, good things come in small packages. And you take that envelope and you open that envelope and you pull out from that envelope a check and you look at that check and that check is your paycheck. Right? Now that's not a gift That was what was due to you. That's no gift at all. And so again, read this verse and let this sink in because this is what's happening in verse four. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. God will not be obligated to any man. If God were obligated to any man, he would no longer be God. If God owed you or I anything, he would no longer be God. There is nothing that we can give to God that he doesn't already have. If we worked for our salvation, if we could earn our salvation, salvation would no longer be viewed as a gift. It would be viewed as our due. It would be his legal obligation to give us salvation if we could earn it through works. But our salvation does not come through works. The scripture's clear, Ephesians chapter two, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It's not anything you could do, no works that you could do. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, lest anyone should brag. My salvation, my justification has nothing to do with me. It isn't about how worthy I am. It's not about how good I've been. It isn't about anything that I have earned. My salvation is solely based upon the goodness, the grandeur, and the grace of God, his gift to me. It is all about what God has done, about nothing that I've done. That is what salvation is, right? So the one who works, his wages are viewed as due. They're not a gift. Our salvation, clearly the scripture declares our salvation is a gift. And if we had to work for it, that's no gift at all. You're just unwrapping your paycheck, right? That's not the way that God gives. Look at the next verse. Look at this, verse five. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Again, there's that word believes again. To the one who says amen, to the one who understands that your salvation, your justification, your right standing before God isn't about what you can do, how you can earn it. The one who says, I agree with God's plan. I agree with Jesus on a cross. I agree with the risen savior. I agree that it's nothing that I could do to that one. The one who believes in that way, the one who says, amen, that promise is mine, I own it. That one has righteousness credited to their account as well. Now, I wanna stay here just for a moment because this verse is clear. It says, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. In our Christian communities, we can confuse the fact that faith looks just like another work. Faith is not just another work. If our salvation were dependent, if my faith saved me, that's just another work that obligates God to me for my salvation. That is not what faith is. 
If I were drowning out in the ocean and a lifeguard sees me from his tower and he puts on his little flotation device and he jumps through the waves and he finally comes out to me and I'm just about to to succumb to the waters. I'm about to succumb to the waves. And there in desperation, I raise my arm one last time and the lifeguard grabs hold of my hand and pulls me to shore and I'm saved from certain doom. And a news crew comes by and begins to interview the lifeguard who saved my life. And I stand back in the corner with my arms crossed, frustrated, confused, and bitter because I say to myself, well, I'm the one who raised my hand. If I hadn't raised my hand, he never would have saved me, right? That's in essence what this is saying. How could we ever take pride in our faith? Our faith doesn't save us. Our faith is the hand that reaches up from the depths of despair and says, God, I'm desperate. Will you reach down and rescue me? Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977